Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 419. Hello, and welcome to The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Oh, welcome to The Premed Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. Happy December, if you're listening to this live as this episode is coming out, December 2020. 2020 can't be over soon enough. Hopefully 2021 brings more great things to your life and 2020 has been tolerable. Um, We've all suffered this year, some more than others. So please have empathy as you are out there interacting with those around you. I have a great guest to share with you today, uh, but one quick reminder about MAPPED, M-A-P-P-D.com, the new technology platform that I have co-founded and am developing to help students on their journey to medical school. For Cyber Monday, which is this week as this episode is coming out, we are doing a 30-day free trial instead of the normal 14-day free trial. So if you're listening to this early enough, Go check it out. Sign up for a free account for 30 days at MAPPD.com. Our guest today is a very non-traditional student, a theater major turned yoga teacher turned pre-med with an acceptance to medical school. She's a mom, she's a wife, and now she will be a future physician. If you are on this journey as a non-traditional student, hopefully Eliza today can share some wisdom about her journey that you can take and put forward on your journey as well. Eliza, welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. When did you first realize you wanted to be a physician? So uh, I would say this occurred about five years ago. So I am an older pre-med I am 37 right now, and up until um, I had my son, I was 
trying to hack it as an actor here in Chicago. I was a, originally a theater major and I was um, doing the, the acting thing. Um, and my day job has always been teaching yoga. I was a yoga teacher, still am a yoga teacher. And I um, began teaching yoga at a psychiatric treatment center called Yellow Brick, um, which is in just north of Chicago. And as I was teaching yoga to the patients here, I became more and more interested in their stories. And they, their stories were more interesting to me than the stories of the sort of characters I was playing in plays around Chicago, which I still um, love and loved. But um, just not to, I was more excited to go to my day job than to rehearsal. And um, so I was, was in a show when my son was born. And I kind of was just, I, I felt done with, with doing theater as my career. And I had a baby and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And I had this sort of fleeting idea in my mind. Well, what if you went to medical school? And then I originally, and then I like immediately was like, you don't even have time to vacuum your carpet. Like there's no way like you can. <laughs> well, go why let me, let me stop you. Why is that the yeah. first thing? Like it, it's not a normal kind of reaction to go. I want to be an actor. But what about medical school? Well, I think, you know, just working with patients, being very um, embodied as a person, um, seeing the connection between my patients, sort of mental health, um, some of whom have more like, diagnosable disorders yeah. and so, some who have sort of overlapping um, diagnoses in terms of chronic pain, in terms of uh, just the way their depression affects their li yeah. life. And um, so it really is the exposure exposure that you got through teaching. Yoga. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Being with patients is why I want to be a physician Yeah, because that was, that is just what has made me want to um, go further with it. And I felt limited. And yeah. I couldn't do all the things I wanted to do. And I wanted to know more. You you mentioned your age, uh, obviously mm -hmm. being a non-traditional student, this being a kind of a second career trajectory for you. The the second thing usually out of people's mouths is, wow, maybe I want to be a doctor. Oh, but it's too late. I'm too old. Yeah. You know, I don't think like that. <laughs> um, it's not... Uh, my way of of thinking i don't know if it's because i have um you know in in theater uh you always want to say yes and yes and it's the improv yes rule and. yeah it is the improv rule and it applies very much to life yep and um also i think I guess my want to be a doctor seed does go back a little further, although I never knew this sort of consciously, I guess, in that my mother was very ill as I was growing up. And um, the, the uh, sort of motto of our family kind of became like, do it now. If you want to do it, do it. There's no nothing. So the idea that I would be, I'm not, I'm not too old. I'm not too old until I'm in the ground <laughs> is my sort of philosophy, I guess. And uh, now I did look at the, like, when I went and I was like, well, what courses do I really need to take? You know, because I was a theater major, I had no undergraduate sciences. Um, and I, I had a moment of pause there when I was like, oh, I have to take like 60 undergrad credits in order to <laughs> to do this. Um, well, was that pause from a, a timeline perspective? Was it from a financial perspective? Was it from a, can I even do this perspective? 
I think all of the above a little bit. Um, definitely financial. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is an expensive hobby I'm going to take on here. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, I had, you know, a two year old mm-hmm. when I started the taking courses and I was working and I worked full time. Um, so just like the realistic amount of hours in the day, how much can I accomplish? Gave me a moment, um, a pause mm-hmm. there, but it was a very short moment. I was like, okay, well, let me try two classes. Let me see how it goes. And I kind of gave myself this thing in my mind where I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, you can just stop. Um, but then I just couldn't stop. <laughs> I just couldn't stop when, when you go down this path, right? You, you have a two year old. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a, a significant other in your, in your life oh, yeah. where you had to oh, have yeah. super long in-depth conversations forever? How did those go? <laughs> okay. So my husband is also a theater person and probably the most supportive yes. Ander on the planet. Um, and so I did sort of tell him that I had this idea and I, I actually remember the physical experience. I, I told him we were in our room and I just kind of, it, it was kind of late at night. It, we had all, we had worked, it was a long day. And I was like, um, so I have this idea that I want to share with you. And I remember like physically bracing myself. Like if you were out like playing football or something and you know, you were going to get hit. And like, I was just like, like physically bracing myself for his reaction. But, you know, he kind of shook his head and laughed. And I don't think he was that surprised um, because he knew how much I I was loving the work I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he just said, yeah, go for it. I mean, we have had periods in our relationship where one of us wants to do something and the other one has to make a lot of, um, sacrifices or compromises and probably the biggest one was moving actually from the east coast to chicago which was a decade ago but it was because he got into school out here Mm -hmm. um and i really struggled with the move i really it was not what i wanted to do my whole family's on the east coast i didn't know anybody out here and um but i said yes and i went with it and i think he has the same attitude toward this journey that i'm on right now so he's been supportive. And I think that, you know, that is really very key to this journey is to have someone, at least one person be on your side and cheering you on. Yeah. That's awesome. And he, yeah. And he is really that for me. Although I will say I have not gotten much pushback at all, which was something that I was surprised about. From I who? Guess. What do you mean? From like my, my, like my employers have been thrilled. They're so supportive. Um, my family, for the most part, my dad, um, who's still living, he was like, great. This is awesome. Um, you know, I guess being, I think we have sort of, or I had perceptions of people judging me, even though I didn't feel too old, like maybe other people might think I'm too old. Mm -hmm. Um, but almost everybody has given me, uh, has said it's inspirational. It's really great. I, you seem really happy doing it. And, um, so it's been kind of cool, actually, to see everybody support me. So what were the first steps for you when you, you, do, you do your research and find out, okay, I have a lot of classes to take, uh, spoke to my husband, he's on board. What, what, were the, what was the next step for you to really 
start living this dream? Yeah. So I did know that I was going to have a few boundaries around this dream. Um, and one of them was location. I knew that in order to do this, we, my husband would have to keep his job, which is here in the Chicago area. So I knew that just geographically, I was looking at schools within driving distance of my house. And so really the first thing I did was go through all of those schools requirements and look at what they require and plan my course of study and the the prereqs that I needed to take based on these six schools in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of actually probably in the end helped me be like, okay, these are the ones that you have to take for these schools right here. And then um, thinking about where to take the courses, um, actually, I mean, the pre-med years helped. I mean, it was basically my only source of information. And because of the endorsement of community college on the various medical school headquarters materials, I was like, well, I think I'm going to do community college because quite frankly, I mean, we had a two-year-old. Um, we're theater people. We don't make a lot of money. Um, this is what, you know, this is the realistic option and all of the schools except for one, um, were pretty favorable or at least said they were on their website to community college credits. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm going to do then. What was the Uh, one I'm interested? Um, I think it was Northwestern. That would be my assumption. (laughs) The most prestigious of the group. Yeah. The most prestigious was like, well, technically we accept them, but not really. Yeah. Um, Shame on them. um, Yeah. Shame on them. And fine. Okay. Great. You you do what you like. Um, So, yeah. So we actually have a fantastic community college in my area. It's like great. Um, It has a a nursing school. And Mm -hmm. so because of that, the pre-health classes and their science courses are are quite nice. The facilities are awesome. Um, So I just basically planned out my courses also based on when I would take the MCAT and what I needed for the MCAT. Um, Yeah. So that's what I did. And I signed up and I started in a summer semester with Bio 101. Nice. What yeah. was what was that next step for you when you're in the class, that transition from I'm a theater major to, mm-hmm. oh, math, STEM, this is different. Yeah, <laughs> it was different. Um, the biggest change, I would say, is that I am a kinesthetic, bodily, um, physical learner. I like to be on my feet and doing things. And these sort of undergraduate science classes are sit in your chair, lecture uh, most of the time. Now, I loved lab. Always great. Mm. Really into it. Super into lab. Um, But I definitely had to, it's actually something I use with my son, but it was true for me too, which is get my wiggles out um, in that I had to, you know, make sure that I was ready to learn in that way. And I think like, I remember in that bio 101 class sitting in my chair. So it was a night class cause I would work during the day and then go at night and being like, Oh my God, I have to sit here just sit. 
for three <laughs> hours. Like this is not whatever. So it's anyway, not natural. <laughs> not that it's not natural. No. It was really not for me. And so I would get up and for would, anybody. <laughs> yeah, for anybody. And so like, you know, on the breaks, I was jogging back and forth, you know, down <laughs> the hallway, and um, all the other you know, traditional age students are looking at me. Um, and, but that helped me, you know, like I know myself, one of the things I think that's great about being an older student is I really know myself a lot better and I know what will help me focus and learn. And one of them is to get my wiggles out. Um, so that was a hard transition a little bit sitting there and like glazing over until I could take a little physical jog. Were there any Um, big kind of tectonic shifts in how you studied, how you learned when it came to STEM versus what you used to study? Well, you know, I don't know if it is because it's STEM. Well, yes. Okay. Yes. Because there is, um, a different, so in theater school, it's very present moment embodied. You have to be with a partner most of the time. Um, our class time was longer in theater school. You know, we would go from nine to five, but in this format of STEM where, you know, maybe the class is 90 minutes and then you have to go home and study. That was a big shift. Um, Learning to study alone for the most part. I mean, I have like my husband would be a good buddy sometimes and help me do, (laughs) you know, flashcards or whatever. But it wasn't like like it was just a lot more of me by myself grinding things out. Were you by yourself because you're a non-traditional student and everyone else was younger and so there was some awkwardness there because you're a mom and a spouse and you needed to be home? What? Why, why alone? I think that. I think that. I think it's more that, you know, my time is very, uh, I don't, you know, they would say, oh, we're having this study group on Saturday. I'm like, yeah, yeah. well, I have my son. There's no way I can do that. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I always felt included to be nice. Uh, to be honest, like I've found all the traditional age students really warm and friendly toward me. Again, I'm in the Midwest, so, yeah. you know. but, um, but I, I just don't have, I just don't have the time I have to do it and I have to do it faster. Although I would say that that's also, again, been one of the advantages of being older is I get stuff done. Mm. Yeah. There, there's always that uh, a lot of people think there's a, a disadvantage of having a kid and having a spouse or, or a work schedule. And I, I think a lot of times if you switch that kind of focus and go, well, I know what my schedule looks like. And now I I have to be efficient every other time when it comes to studying and, and students usually do great when it comes to that. Yeah. I would say, you know, I don't procrastinate, which I used to do in undergrad the first time, you yeah. know, I don't, you know, I have, I have to, if, if there's a moment to get it done, I will get it done because you never know what's going to happen in the next moment when you have a kid. Yeah. You know, he could, he could get sick. We could all get sick. You know, we have a night where nobody sleeps or what, you know, like, it's just, if you, if you have the time, go for it. Yeah. Were there any hiccups along the way during your studies that you're like, well, maybe I can't do this. Organic chemistry one. <laughs> uh, Welcome to Orgo. And, yep, yeah. exactly. I mean, it was, my husband described, he said to me, so it was a six week summer course of Orgo one. Mm. And my husband said about halfway through that my personality changed. And I don't know what that means, but I do know that I was so incredibly stressed out. I mean, um, my community college had very vigorous standards. And um, the professor that I had for Orgo One was hardcore. And um, it was 
it was hard. And I would, you know, I got up at four in the morning to study. Then I went to work for two hours. Then I went to class for four hours. Then I went back to work for two hours. And I studied at night. I mean, it was, you know, I was like, is this, I remember my mentor, who's a psychiatrist and who I really admire. I went to his office and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. He was like, hang in there. It's okay. How did you get so, through it? Um, so I am a yoga teacher. I use mindfulness. I um, really was drawing on my, you know, stay in the present moment, breathe in, breathe out, it, you know, just using sort of all of my stress reduction techniques that I have in my toolbox mm-hmm. um, and letting things go. This is something that I've gotten much better at is, uh, oh, there's a pile of laundry in the corner. It can just stay there. Great. <laughs> Yeah, like I just can't, you know, I can't do everything and letting myself off the hook on a couple of things helps me get through it. Self-forgiveness is huge in this process. Huge. Yeah, huge. And uh, that that's, yeah, and I made it. And I also think um, as an older student, my perception of time and like the knowing that things are going to be over is helpful too. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was in the thick of it with that class, I was like, you know what? It is only six weeks. I will survive this. And it's like serving this greater purpose that I have for the rest of my life. So breathe, stay grounded, stay in the moment, you know, and that really gets me through. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So STEM classes are one thing. The MCAT is a completely different beast. When did you learn about the MCAT and what were the first steps in trying to tackle that? So again, I will say the uh, medical school headquarters is really has been the source of all of my information. And so listening to the podcast, you know, back when I was starting this process, when I was looking into community college, when I was doing all this was like, okay, so there's going to be this big test. And here is this information about it. Uh, So I had included it in my original plan, my like two year plan of my community college courses, and then take the MCAT. And you know, I had it planned out. Oh, so lovely. Um, and then COVID came and my test got delayed and then it got delayed again. And so it messed up my whole timeline. Um, but that was how I started knowing about it was listening to the pre-med years, listening to the MCAT podcast and, uh, kind of mining the resources that you make available and that, you know, you endorse. Yeah. How much time do you think you put into it? Oh, gosh. Okay, so I started, okay, so I um, bought the Next Step um, online class, online thing, on the Black Friday sale last year. So it was a year ago that Mm -hmm. I got it. And I started studying immediately for what was supposed to be my March test. So it became apparent. So I studied consistently. And I mean, because I was working full time and I'm a mom, I probably got in anywhere from one to three hours of studying a day every day. Mm. Also, because I was not a STEM background and I hadn't had uh, physics two or something. um, There were certain things that I really did need. I needed to study hard because I don't have it in, in me in the way that I think if you have more of a science background and you've worked in a lab or whatever, that you might have some of that stuff. Um, so I worked really hard and then in May or I'm sorry, in March, my test got canceled. So I rescheduled it for May. I did not study at all for a full month when COVID hit, things were really tough at my work. We stayed in person. Um, 
you know, I was still coming to work during stay at home. I had, but, but my son's daycare closed. So mm-hmm. he was now home. I had no childcare. It was really rough. Um, and then my May t- test date got canceled. So I didn't study for another month. Um, so I think I returned to studying in June for what ended up being a July MCAT. And I studied those last six weeks, probably four to six hours a day while working and having my son at home. It was, it was intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely hard when you, you're like training for a marathon and then all of a sudden the, the marathon date gets changed. You're like, but, but I've studied. Yeah. 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 So it was a, like, it was hard because I kind of like was like. Um, I, you know, I knew eventually I would take the test, but I just felt so derailed by mm. the, by COVID and work got so hard. So it was hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about applications uh, okay. as, as a non-traditional student, as a mom, as uh, someone in theater, mm. there's a lot of self-doubt usually around, my my background, your background being unique enough, my background standing out enough. Do I talk about being a mom? Do I not talk about being a mom? How did you navigate all of those waters when it came to being a, a very non-traditional applicant to medical school when all of these, these young kids are applying as well? Yeah, I did have some self-doubt around my story in that my story I felt was unique. It was honest. It was authentic, but I was like, but I sound like I'm not a scientist. Mm -hmm. You know, that was really, I was like, I have, you know, it's so funny. You have your, the saying that you're not supposed to say, like, I like, um, I I love science. science. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, that's true. But like, I just the help people part for me. Like (laughs) science is something I just did. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous about telling my story and, um, I did, uh, to answer the question, I did not talk about my son in my primary application at all. Mm-hmm. I did in some of my secondaries. Um, but when I decided to tell my story, I did go back to talk about my mom who had breast cancer as I was growing up. Uh, because I do think there's a lot of things in retrospect that I've taken from that experience that have made me want to be in medicine, even though, again, it wasn't so conscious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I what I didn't worry about was having a unique story because I my story of coming through theater being non-traditional uh doing becoming wanting to be a physician based on being with patients sort of by accident um I never intended to teach yoga in a psychiatric treatment center that was never my you know I, that was never part of my life plan it's just kind of what happened yeah and um so I wasn't too worried about that but once I could it was really a, I think the hardest part of my telling, like making my personal statement was how do I connect the dots between the story of my mom being a theater person for so long and then ending up being inspired by the stories of patients. Um, So that really, it was like a puzzle. Like I had, like you suggest again, like, I don't know, 15 drafts, my personal statement. (laughs) And And some of them were heavier on one aspect than Mm -hmm. the others and then i just tried to like weave them all together yeah so yeah so that was kind of that now what i i actually loved doing the um the the on the applications the activities 
Really? Um, yeah, because I'm so passionate about all of my activities. Okay. And so I was able to really do, like you said, write a story for each one. I think having all of, I did take my main job. So my title at my my job is not yoga teacher. It's integrative services specialist. And mm-hmm. I do some yoga. I do some, I do our mindfulness curriculum. I organize events for the community. I do drama therapy. So I was able to break that down into all of my sort of gigs that I do mm-hmm. here. And, um, you know, I have a story with a patient for each one. And that's the sum of that is what has inspired me to want to be a physician. And so being able to tell my stories of the impact I've had on patients actually made me feel really, I think that's what helped me feel more like this is really where I'm meant to be as opposed to thinking, oh, I'm an imposter. I'm not a scientist. Like, oh, wait, but look at all these stories of things that you've done with patients. Mm -hmm. And um, that made me feel validated, I think, in this journey. Yeah. Did you focus on those because you thought it was important because you had this a little bit of imposter syndrome that you didn't have a lot more true clinical experience, patient contact? And so you, you focus on those or you focus on those because they were impactful for you? I think because they were impactful for me. I mean, that really is the truth. Like they are, everything I've done with a patient is why I want to do this. So that's really where I had to go. Yeah. And I I think that's an important distinction between students who do well in that part of the application and students who really struggle. The students who struggle are focused on the sales pitch of, I think I should talk about this because you're going to find it important Mm -hmm. versus I'm going to talk about this because this is just so impactful to me and I I have to tell you. Yeah. And I think listening to the pre-med years and listening to all your stories really drilled that in to me. (laughs) And so that's where I wanted to go. Also, it felt the most authentic to me. I mean, this is really my true experiences. Yeah. That's awesome. When When it came to getting that first interview, what was that like for you? Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. Um, okay. So after I submitted my secretaries, I think this was like end of August. I will say that I checked all my portals on my different, you know, all the schools I applied to, I probably was checking my portals way too often. Like, every, <laughs> like every, obsessively. 20, yeah, like obsessively. And my husband was like, you have to stop. Like you're <laughs> going to like lose, lose it. Um, but so I had checked my portals and I had no interviews <laughs> and 15 minutes later, I got my first interview on at one of the schools, at the school I'm currently accepted to. And I jumped up and down in my kitchen I was like shaking. I was so excited. It was so exciting. And I was with my husband and he was like, okay, again, you need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So I really was able to like feel like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. Oh my gosh. So I was so happy. Yeah. Well, what were those next steps to prepare for the interview? So I bought a suit. Um, I'm a yoga teacher and even it's amazing because I work in like a clinical office, you know, it's very nice, but I wear yoga pants all day. <laughs> and so I was, I really, it, I haven't worn a suit in years. I mean, I don't have any of that kind of wardrobe. So I did go buy a suit, which sounds silly, but it's true. And then I read, um, your book on the interview. Um, I read that cover to cover. It sort of thought about all the questions in it. Mm-hmm. Um, did that for a f- couple of weeks. Uh, and then, um, yeah. And then I so- sort of um, did a little like YouTubing around virtual interviews because I didn't, 
I am an actor. I spend a lot of time face to face with people. I actually am not very nervous during interviews, but I mm-hmm. had never done a virtual yeah. interview before. So that kind of, I was like, okay. Um, Makes sense. Just don't, yeah, I didn't want to look weird on the camera or whatever. So I did those things and I felt pretty prepared and excited. And because my first interview was at osteopathic school, I wanted to be very clear about my interest in osteopathic medicine. So I did do, um, just had good solid answers for that question that I knew was coming. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about as a non-traditional student, how much of that non-traditional path and your, your journey came up during an interview? None. None. Actually, none. I mean, really, I (laughs) don't know that my interview. Okay. So I will say I'm a non-traditional student, but my physical appearance does not give me away. I have a pretty young looking face and I don't know that my interviewers knew my age or anything like that. And so they did not ask any questions. I don't about, um, you know, my age, they asked about my background and I talked about being a yoga teacher and working in psychiatric treatment and things like that. And, um, but I don't know, you know, I don't think they knew how old I was. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah. a little bit of a closed file interview. Yeah, it was a little bit. And I was prepared though. I was ready to talk about my journey and how I had been with patients. And that's what inspired me to want to keep going and do more. And, um, but it never came up. Yeah. What was the hardest thing for you for the interviews? Hardest question or, or something came up? Well, you know, what was hard was the Vita that I yeah. had to do for the other school. And on Vita, there was questions about um, cultural competence and working with people from different cultures. Mm-hmm. And I had thought I had a great answer to that. And <laughs> I was prepared for that. And I, some of my volunteer work is with folks who come from different backgrounds than I do. Um, but I think I really botched it on the v- the Vita. And I um, b- partly blame the format and that the way that I, I've been prepared to talk about working with people with mental illness in, in, um, like South side Chicago. I work sometimes with the, um, with NAMI, uh, the national Alliance for mental illness, working with Chicago police officers and dealing with mental health crises. And a lot of the folks that they come across have very different background than mine. And I was prepared to talk about working with those folks, but the way I talked about it was really poor. So that was kind of the hardest thing I think, um, was I just, I was not prepared enough for that question. Mm, interesting. Yeah. For, for other students who are going to take Vita uh, next year, I'm assuming it'll be around. Hopefully it'll die a very quick death soon. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. But, but for, for other students who have to take Vita in the future, uh, and, and just for a little context, Vita is the new, um, the new, interview kind of online format uh, that the AAMC has rolled out for pre-meds applying to medical school. It's It's been a platform that was used previously for residents or, or medical students applying to emergency medicine residency. Um, it was canceled because the residency programs and the medical students both said it was useless. Um, and so hopefully the medical schools and, and pre-med students will say the same, but uh, the AAMC will try to get their money any way they can. And so here's <laughs> this new thing. Um, and so it's a it's an online virtual interview, uh, kind of a one-way thing. What What would you recommend students do to prepare for it? So I recommend that students do the practice questions multiple times Mm. until you don't feel 
so weird and awkward talking at the camera. Yeah. Uh, that is really what I recommend. And, and perhaps um, even doing it as a warm up to your real one. Like, yeah. don't practice and then take it all down and go away and then come back and just try to do the real one. Like, do it all in the moment mm. um, because it takes a surprising amount of time to set it up properly so you look okay. Yep. And um, then, you know, going through the questions, there's almost like when you're with a real human being and you're getting feedback in an embodied way, when you're seeing their face and you're seeing their body language and you're, you know, talking to them, it's easier to feel warmed up to that person. And you don't get that with a camera staring at you. So, yeah, practice and practice. I have um, my anytime mock interview platform students really love that for Vita and for these virtual interviews and, and for interviews in general, because it is, it's a very similar platform where you log in and your your webcam or whatever camera you have hooked up records you and, and it's um, asking questions and you kind of have to answer on the fly. And it's nice because you can then send, uh, the, the platform that I have, you can send your videos to other people for their feedback as well. Great. Yeah, that, yes, do that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about getting that acceptance. So you're jumping up and uh, up and down for the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Number one, what was it like to get that acceptance? And number two, hopefully your husband didn't again tell you to calm down. (laughs) Yeah, no, this one was like, let's celebrate. So I was, okay, so I was at work and Mm. um, I had thought that they were going to release like the way that they told, like they said there would be like 14 days or whatever. And it had been 14 days and I didn't hear anything. Mm. Um, And I was, so I was um, nervous and a little you know, I didn't know what was yeah. going to happen. And, um, so on Thursdays, um, at my work, we have sort of a long string of meetings and I found out that I got accepted via an email about two minutes before this three hour stretch of meetings that I have to sit through every Thursday. <laughs> and I cried at my desk. I was so excited. I was so excited. I just was so excited and happy. And I, And then I had to like sit on the feelings for three hours. And I don't think I heard one word in those meetings because I was just so excited. And I had sent my husband a text, but I couldn't even look at my phone to see any congrats. You know, like I couldn't, (laughs) I had no, I couldn't celebrate for like three hours. So it was, um, but I was so excited and also just proud and relieved and um, grateful that, you know, that all the things that I had done had come together and all the support I had, had, had made it all worth it. And I just was sort of sitting in my excitement and gratitude for three hours. And then we, um, celebrated and had tacos and it was really fun. So (laughs) taco Tuesday, taco Tuesday, which was a Thursday. (laughs) So it was great. It was really great for the non-traditional student following your footsteps who, uh, is, is struggling with self-doubt, wondering if they can do this. What final words of wisdom do you have for them to hopefully continue down this path? I would say that all of the things that you might think are against you are actually for you. Your, your wisdom, your experience, uh, your, um, endurance and resilience, all of those things that come with time that, that you have worked for are going to serve you as you go forward. And so to look at your, um, 
to look at being a non-traditional student as a strength and that you have a lot of skills, a lot of life skills that are going to help you on this journey. So my um, advice is just to really believe in yourself, believe that all the things that you have done have led you to this moment and that this is what you're meant to do and do it um, with your whole heart. All right. So there we have it. Eliza talking about her journey to medical school as a very non-traditional applicant. I, I think her final words there, right? What you think are weaknesses, what you think are things that are going to hold you back are actually your strengths. It's something I talk about all of the time. As a non-traditional student, you are bringing so much to the plate that you just you just don't know. So uh, take take this wisdom, take this encouragement and go out and be the best you that you can be. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.